This is the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. This is Josh Trent. Over the past eight plus years, almost nine years actually, I've been asking myself this question, how do I live my life well? How do we live our life well? If you're brand new to the podcast, this is the place where we all can discover the gathering, the application, and most importantly, the embodiment of this physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and financial nourishment that we all signed up to do and be and have here on planet Earth. So how do we do this? How do we embody all the things that our ancestors have always known, but that we now are just learning about? This is a very special replay on Fridays. We always do a Q&A or a very special potent replay. This one was a big one. It was Awakening Aphrodite podcast with my friend, Amy Fournier. And also we got to have Allison Pillow, Nicole Devaney, Sarah Gustafson, Nathan Riley, Alex Rubchinsky, and Ryan Sprague, all of whom, except for Nicole Devaney and except for Amy Fournier, have all been on the podcast already. This may or may not be the perfect place for you to start. Every Tuesday, we go in-depth with myself and a featured guest with some of the brightest thoughts and downloads and consciousness for you to up-level and also some of the most heart-based wisdom you'll ever experience in this world. Those are on Tuesdays for our full-length episodes. And on Thursdays, I sit and teach. I drive and teach. I walk and teach. Whatever it is, wherever you are, I get to teach you a subject about the five sides of the wellness pentagon, that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial ways that we all can nourish ourselves so we can live our life well. This is an episode from the Awakening Aphrodite podcast called The Sacred Polarities Panel, part one, archetypal relationships, toxic masculinity, and the us and them illusion featuring seven wise colleagues. Head over to amyfournier.com. It's episode 139. We wanted to share it for your ears and heart so you can get all the beautiful benefits of seven powerful hearts and minds to talk about toxic masculinity, anima and animus, what it means to be grounded, emasculation in the media, redefining toxic masculinity, and just this concept of how can men and women love and respect our differences. Make sure you give Amy Fournier a rating and review on Apple and Spotify and do the same for us. Just search for any of the podcasts that we've done. You can just type in my name, joshtrent.com on any player, anywhere online. Every month we give away $150 of free Organifi. And all you have to do is just leave us a quick review and a rating on Spotify or on Apple. Winners will be chosen by a robot and the winner will be notified via email. And I hope it's you. I really do. If you're brand new to the podcast, stick around. We have a lot more incredible wellness and wisdom coming from my heart and my head to yours here on planet Earth, this rock in the middle of outer space. Let's tune in with Amy Fournier and six other friends for this epic podcast replay. Everyone, welcome to Awakening Aphrodite. Thank you. Amy. So excited to be here. You look like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yes. This is the coolest thing ever. Oh, my goodness. I'm seriously like vibrating off my chair right now how unbelievably excited I am. And I just can't wait to share each of you with your amazing wisdom and big hearts and just compassion and, and life experiences and perspective with my audience and, and the world. So, once again, just thank you so much for being here for our discussion today on the sacred polarities. So we're going to go ahead through a basically a roundtable format and just keeping it very simple, try to go from person to person 
to pick your brain a little bit on how you feel about different topics in particular in regard to the sacred polarities. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with Nicole. I'll do my best to keep everybody in order here and not miss anyone, but please feel free to correct me and because uh, it won't be the first time I make a mistake, but I'll do my best. And uh, here we go. So the first question that we would love to know from each of you is how would you define the sacred polarities? Nicole, we'll start with you. Well, thanks for having me back. I really am so honored to be with all of you first off. And for me, sacred polarities is the opposites that needed to occur for existence to be. It's the sun and the moon. It's hot and cold. It's day and night and the masculine and feminine. And within that spectrum of polarity, it's not like black and white. We have the whole seasons. If it was the dead of winter and the hot of summer, I think about the the sacredness and the polarities of the masculine and feminine as a circle rather than a opposites on a pole. And so you can move from early uh, growth stage of both the masculine and feminine to the late stages like the crone and, and the other. And so for me, it's it's the dance of what you know the universe had to do to bring creation into an experience. I love it. That's beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much, Nicole. And we'll go to Sarah with the same question. How would you define the sacred polarities? Um, well, similar to um, bouncing off Nicole, it's, it's very similar. It's like, you know, when you think of two opposite ends of a spectrum, you think of, you know, black on one end, white on the other end, and there's you coming into the center and you're blending the two, there's the gray area and, and me being a very like a cognitive functioning individual. I look at it as like the two opposites that allow for critical thought, such as individuation realization. So without the two opposites, there's no realization of self. So if you don't have these opposite ends or two polarities, there's no individuation process. Um, and that's that's how I I look at the two of, of these these sacred polarities, the feminine and the masculine, which we all we all have. Mm -hmm. I love it. And as I say all the time on my show, you know, this isn't about a gender thing. We're talking about an essence and energy that's in all of us. And it's it's interesting that you said that, Sarah, because I've heard it said that it's the the spot where initiation occurs is where the two polarities meet. Yeah. And the bridge of the conscious and unconscious. So that the way you described it is, is a different but really effective way of kind of a, a twist on that, don't you think? Yeah, it's like, you know, without this, it's it's developing without these two opposites. How do we develop our consciousness? How do we know who we are and what we are? It's It's an energetic thing. It's not about gender. It's not about male, female, it's, it's a, it's an energetic expression of who we are and, and how we express ourselves to the world. So, uh, you know, it, it's blending and bridging those things into the middle and, and sort of individuating from that, taking from those energies and using, you know, the, the strengths of, of each of those and kind of like really traveling and navigating each of these to go like, wow, like, who am I in here? Who am I in there? And, and then 
and, and taking from that and going like, this is who I am. And, and without those, then how do we see any color in the world? How do we express ourselves in any color or any form? So how do we individuate? How do we realize self without those two, right? Like without those points. And it's always a moving target, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a relative term that's always changing, I think. And I, you said something else that was kind of interesting about, you know, who am I in this situation? You know, because I'm sure there's situations when you're kind of leaning more into one aspect of your polarity than the other. Um, but I'm sure we're going to, you know, get into that yeah. when, when we get into our, you know, individual questions on your experiences. So thank you, Sarah. Um, okay, let's go ahead to Allison with the same question. How do you define the sacred polarities, Allison? Yeah, so I would also agree with uh, Nicole and Sarah, um, what they shared, and say that it's a matter of perspective. So it gives you perspective and individuation and allows you to express your unique aspects. Although I think we get too tied up into identifying with certain aspects that get expressed or that we feel like we are. And so that is the, the illusion of duality that we can get caught up in. But really, it's just a matter of you expressing yourself any way you'd like, and then you let that go. And then you move on to the next expression. But we tend to attach too much of who we are with those expressions and how we see other people. So I think there is a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's moving. It's always moving, but we tend to get static in that. So I think maybe we could expand on that issue today. When you say that we, we need to um, let it go because we attach too much, like, what do you mean by that? It's, it's, that's causing a problem, just to clarify. Yeah. So when you identify too much with what you do, who you think you are, then you really don't allow space to open up to new ways of being. So you just put yourself in this box that you think people think you are, you think you are. And uh, that doesn't allow you to open up to new ways of being, in my opinion. So I think that uh, <clears throat> it needs to be fluid as well. We need to think of it as a fluidity energy mm. instead of so static like we do with our identities. I love that, Allison. I always say, you know, it's about having the discretion to know how to navigate, uh, lean, lean a little more into one of your essences than the other, you know. I think that's absolutely. So, yeah, because, you know, know if you want to have certain creative projects, but you only see yourself one way, then how are you going to express that? You know, it's going to really block you and limit you in what you can do there. So if you don't identify as something, you know, uh, like identify it as a gymnast or identify it as an athlete, well, I can only do athletic things. I can only do things around that as, as far as my profession goes. But what if I'd like to do other things like, be a, a musical artist, or if I'd like to play an instrument, or if I'd like to express my creativity in other ways, you know. So, what's going to limit us in those in those situations is our self worth or what we think we're capable of or our potential there. So, I think there there has like a I don't know if Nicole or Sarah said it's like a dance. I think maybe Nicole said that 
it is a dance. It's it's really it's like not attaching too much to anything and being willing to let it go fully to step into the next thing. Right. Yeah. I always think of some people sometimes are like, you know, those monkeys going through the jungle and they're going from branch to branch and they don't let go of one branch till they've got another one to grab onto. But sometimes you just got to be like free falling between the branches, you know, it's like we want yeah. that security, but sometimes, you know, we, we don't have it with you know, that next branch. Like, where is it? You know? Absolutely. That's the scary part. That's the void. And that's the feminine in my, in my opinion. And then we express and, and find that expression through the masculine. So, you know, uh, that's how they work together in my opinion. Awesome. And we're going to come back to that. Let's throw it now to Dr. Nathan Riley. It's hard to answer this question following people like Nicole, Sarah, and Allison. And uh, I feel bad for Josh because he's coming at the very end. But maybe we should expect the best answer from Josh. I'm somewhere in the middle, I suppose. And, um, you know, I, I have this privilege of working in birth and death. And those are two, I think, really great spaces to explore polarities on the, on the, the end of the spectrum, so to speak, if we're talking about a linear timeline of, of human beingness. The only way I can describe polarity in my work with death is actually through the lens of, of anthroposophic medicine, which if you look at just a plant, what pulls this plant upward? What, what causes the plant to bloom? Well, Steiner would argue that there's these etheric forces that are in tension with these gravitational forces, the physical forces of earth. And without that polarity, you get no growth. You don't even ever compress back into a seed because you can't have gravity without something it's pulling against. So on the one hand, that's an area of my work. The other way, of course, that I look at this is as a father of two little girls and having to sit with the divine feminine roaring in all of her power through the birth of my two little girls, it, I think it helps to have an allegory for these two forces in nature. And the best that I've been able to determine or that I've been able to describe it is the feminine is a river careening through a valley. And the masculine is the sides of the valley. It's the mountain. Mm. And, and I think that that's really relevant for birth because we men, those of us who are masculine energy dominant, tend to like to come to a conversation with the answer, with a fix it. Doctors are sociopathic, uh, masculine driven machines. Like they are there to solve the problem. And if they can't, then they're out of a job. They're, they don't get through the next level of school. So when we look at birth, we see it as a problem that needs to be fixed. But the role of the masculine is actually to play the role of the mountain, is to hold space as the whirling dervish, whether it's a river, a tempest, a storm, you know, at Burning Man, for example, if you look at an overhead view, there's these swirling dust storms. That is the feminine embodied in nature. So the role of the masculine would be to provide a container for that, to hold space for it, literally hold space, because without the mountain, the river becomes a puddle. And if we can provide that container, especially in this extremely important experience of birth or in death, um, it, it turns into standing opposite of, you know, even the word, word obstetrics is actually the root is obstetrics with an X. And that means to stand opposite of. That's what the original midwives did is hold space for this woman to do the thing that she can do. Um, of course, under the influence of oxytocin and everything else. Um, so my, probably the area that I, I think most deeply about is what is the role of the man in childbirth? The man, the role of the man is to learn how to hold space. And that is really hard for us because we've only ever been incentivized as menly men 
to fix the problem, to find the solution. And uh, there's no solution to birth. There's no way to get your partner out of this. There is a lot that can be done in the art of doing nothing, which is to make her feel like she is seen and safe and she can go into that space, get the neocortex out of the way and let it roar. Nathan, I I love that. I I just have a follow-up question. I'd love to hear your thoughts to clarify just for my brain. It's interesting that you think of the masculine as the holding space, because I've kind of always thought the feminine for that. And, you know, I maybe just from my brain to understand is, is that holding space, something that you're thinking is like being present, like the presence as opposed to um, cause I think of the feminine as the cup, you know, the vessel, the container, the holding. So can you just clarify for me to understand a little yeah. better? I mean, the womb is the perfect allegory for, you know, yin. It is the receiving, it's the recipient, it's the vessel. If we were to say holding space, you are holding the feminine. You're, you're oh. holding them, you're giving them some foundation in order to be able to direct their forces this way and that. And the, the interesting part of what, of your question is, if the mountain's job is to provide um, some container so that there's a depth, that there can be a velocity, a flow, so to speak, if the masculine says, hey, river, we want you to go this way, what's the river going to say? To hell with you. I'm eroding you. You're not eroding me. You're not telling me what to do. So the role of the man is actually to let the feminine impact us. Like that is, and for us to provide a sounding board in a way. And I don't mean like actual sounding board, although sometimes it manifests like that in our relationships. It's they're not, your your partner isn't, your feminine partner is not coming to you for the answer. They're coming to you for you to hold space and to make them feel seen and sound. And uh, and that's very, very hard for us. So I think the, the, the mountain uh, and the river is probably the best allegory. I think the term holding space requires a little bit of refinement, but I won't, I won't bore you with that in this conversation. <laughs> no, that helps so much. That is just a phenomenal uh, analogy, the mountain and the river. I love that idea. Thank you, Nathan. Tremendous. All right, let's throw the ball now to Alex. I'll start by piling more metaphors on top of the already amazing answers that to broaden even more of the color palette here. Um, so we, we know that the yin is black and yang is uh, white. So yin contains absolutely every every color, every experience. And then white is the absence of that. And even though the masculine isn't the absence of all things, um, it the way I, the way I see it to contribute. So I don't repeat what other people are saying redundantly is it's like if the man was born with a certain amount of colors, the masculine was born with a certain amount of colors, the feminine was born with a certain amount of colors, which doesn't, when you look at it from the white and black containing everything and nothing, but for an uh, analogous sake, you have this limit limitation on both, both spectrums. And you can't find out the other without playing together and living life together. And so the more going through life and allowing yourself to merge with the the other polarity allows you to realize that you actually had all the colors there all along, but you don't really, you can't fully be the masculine without knowing what the feminine is, because how do you know you're not being feminine without the masculine? Or Mm -hmm. how do you know you're not being masculine without the feminine? 
So there can't be an, uh, a knowing of who you are without experiencing the plethora of this, this color palette of life and then going through it and through the, the reflection or the, the introspection and the own in the inner work of reflecting on your experience of life, these two polarities that were explained so far amazingly, um, your, your responsibility here is to figure out where you are by, by fully becoming the other. So that way you can fully know who you are in relationship to the other. Um, and I, I think that's what I'll contribute. Yes. Relativeness. Um, you know, it's amazing because in, in any relationship, uh, it, it's just so amazing to see how it's like, we kind of come to that middle ground. Like if the person you're in relationship with is, you know, identified more in the masculine energies and qualities and characteristics, it's like it, it automatically, we, I think we instinctually or even subconsciously, you know, really amp up our feminine to, to kind of find that balance, you know, whether we're aware of it or not, or vice versa. You know, it's just, it's quite amazing to see that dynamic in real life. I don't know if you all have experienced that, but I know I have. Yes. Josh, why don't you take it good, please, if you want to um, elaborate on that, and then you can circle back and answer the question while you've got. The sure. Um, okay. looks like I'm not going last. <laughs> I, Sorry. Damn you. No, it's great. First Sorry, time, Ryan. <laughs> I love this format because I'm, I'm watching all the micro muscles in people's faces and I'm like, wow, this is just like when we interviewed together. So it's really fun. Cool. And I'm thinking about what I feel the masculine and feminine is how I've experienced that is my, my partner, Carrie Michelle is my ultimate teacher. I mean, there is nothing about feminine energy that in my lifetime, I believe with her, if that's the path we go, will be a stone that's not, a, that's not turned over. So I think about for me, I identify as a masculine core, but my greatest learning curve on freaking planet earth is the feminine energy. And so, of course, Carrie has a feminine core, but she floats back and forth. And it's funny this year, we I, I killed the word force in my podcast and I replaced it with wisdom because I really feel like true wisdom is this integration. It is this knowingness. It's this embodiment of the aspects of, I think what a lot of philosophers in ancient times tried to put words on, right? Like, like young anima animus and nature abhors a vacuum from Aristotle and all these people that talk about the actual circuitry of masculine and feminine. But when I feel into it for me, it's like, how do I have mastery over both? And is that even possible in this lifetime? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And I think even that question, maybe, maybe not, is masculine and feminine in verbal form. And think about this one last thing. If nature really abhors a vacuum, then what is vacuuming? What, what is the thing that's vacuuming us, this masculine energy of completion or finiteness? And then what is the energy that's allowing itself to be vacuumed? Feminine, surrender, openness. So these are the things that I like to pontificate on. And I think it's pretty cool that we all get to wax uh, lots of words on this podcast, really. like I almost feel like we're, we're washing and waxing the same car and we're all going to look at it at the end of our lifetime and be like, okay, that's pretty cool. And that'll be it. 100%. I love it, Josh. Such so much there that you just shared. Thank you so much. And, you know, it goes back to uh, Nicole or Sarah's comment about the dance, right? I mean, that integration is really what it's all about. Because if we are the essence of the creator, 
than we are both. And, you know, just navigating our way through that integration, like you said, how can I be a master over both of the polarities? That's the, that's the million dollar question, right? I also have to give one quick shout. There's an energy that's all taught us. And many, many people here have, have taught with this person for much longer than me, but Paul check is, I feel a reason that all of us are here mm -hmm. and that his definition of love, you know, God is no thing and everything at the same time. And we're a unique point of consciousness experiencing itself from God. I feel like that's at the core of, of really what we're all here. We're all doing. So it's uh, kudos to Paul. That's mm. true. Let's all raise our glasses and toast. Are you guys, if you've got a bag nearby, bags, right? <laughs> yeah, more appropriate. Yeah. He is the common thread indeed. So to Mr. Paul check, thank you, my friend, much love. Uh, maybe next time we'll have him join us. <laughs> he would just take over, though. He would talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we wouldn't talk. We would just watch. Yeah, no, we'd be we'd be spectators. That's yeah. true. <laughs> we'd definitely be the audience. That's true. All right, let's round out this first question with uh, Ryan, please. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of amazing things have already been said. And so what I'm going to say is maybe a more over to some of that and we'll see what else comes out. But, you know, the thing I think is really cool about polarity is that they are oppositional forces that really can't do anything without each other. And I think that why that's really important is because right now in society, we're seeing all this like, you know, toxic masculinity or like this, you know, what we've been seeing for quite a lot longer about the feminine and all these things kind of trying to say like one is better than the other, or you need to have more of this than the other thing. But I think we need lo not look farther than the Tao, right? The middle way is the way. And so like a lot of people here have echoed. I think integration between these two polarities is ultimately what's necessary because also to piggyback off what Josh was saying, the masculine to me presents the finite energy, right? The ability for us to be human. <clears throat> we, we are born at a certain point and we die. The feminine on the hand, on the hand represents to me infinite, right? Our infinite nature as you know really spirits having a human experience and souls having a human experience. And what the mystery school says about that is that we are never born and we never die. Right. So to be in this human experience, we must understand our humanness, which I think right now in like the spiritual community is kind of uh, overshadowed by everyone just saying, I'm a divine being. Well, that's all good. But also we're here to have a human experience. Right. And we're here for an experiment of this illusion of separation. And so understanding your finite nature and understanding your infinite nature really are those two poles. But going on one side or the other. Right. And this goes for everything in life. If you end up on one side or the other, you're going to be out of balance, right? So as always, the middle way is the way. And that's what I would say about polarity and you know what is really essential to be able to balance those two things and why I think they matter, right? That finite nature and infinite nature, because we need to understand both to really know who and what we truly are and where we come from, where we're going and what our purpose is. All right. So that's a big ask though, you know, like <laughs> where, Ryan, where would we begin to kind of start that path of understanding the finite and infinite mm. nature? Yeah, it's a great question. So I like to give my clients five questions, right? And when you're asking these, a lot of the times, if if you're a masculine dominant person, you're going to be like, okay, so I'm asking these questions and I'm looking for an answer. Not necessarily. The answer might come, it might not. But what I have them do is ask these questions every single day, which is who am I? What am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? And what is my purpose? Because a lot of these things, right? They're not linear, right? That It's not like we're one thing or that we come from one place, but continuing to ask yourself these questions every day is a great part, a great spot to start. 
Because if you can do that and just get curious, right? Maybe some days you're on your way to work and you're just like, I forgot to ask questions and you just do it, right? You get in the ritual of doing it. Maybe some other days you have a lot more space in your life. Maybe it's a weekend, something like that. And you have the ability to actually like, you know, just contemplate on these questions and be like, yeah, this is really interesting. You know, this is one of the things that plant medicines can do really well for people that are stuck within like, especially masculine dominant energy is they can allow us to actually be able to contemplate on these things and not just ask them as like a checklist thing of like, okay, I was supposed to ask these every day and now I did. So I would think that's a really good spot to start. Yes, indeed. That's funny. You said that like the checklist thing is such a... <laughs> Amy, yeah. I have a little follow-up question. This could be Please. for everybody. This term toxic masculinity, I think, is thrown around, but similar to like um, I don't know, shamanism. Nobody fucking has any idea what it means. So mm -hmm. can anybody tell me? I mean, we all know what, what it is when we feel it, but like how can we define that since the word came up? Oh well, my god, I, I gotta I got to talk. I don't know how you're gonna manage this with eight podcasters right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nathan, I think that you just read like my mind, Nathan, though. We had to, we sorry, Josh, we had to hit that 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 topic ah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Please, Josh. Code, but, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Blame Jerry. <laughs> I have I have a sense that it's a it's a word that's been appropriated, much like the word cis cisgender, transgender, all these yes. different things. And I'm not anti anything that somebody feels good about using, but I do think that terms get appropriated by media specifically. So I think my experience of interviews and my own discovery has been like the word toxic is actually meant for chemicals or for behaviors. So to claim toxic masculinity as a sweeping behavioral aspect, I don't think is fair. And I think really it just is an appropriated term much like the use of cis from cisgender that was from the late 70s, um, a doctor in Germany just made up the term and then it caught on. So I think that we're all kind of in a large experiment here when it comes to toxic masculinity. I think there's just toxic behavior and it applies to both men and women or however anybody identifies essentially. Yeah, there can be toxic femininity as well if we were going yeah. to go into that concept. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, so we got, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, oh. Let's go to uh, Ryan and then Alex. I was going to dive in real quick and say that I think it's a cop out in a lot of ways. I think these terms are thrown on things so people don't actually have to evaluate what it is they believe is quote unquote toxic. It's not that like people have said, there's there's toxic behaviors, but to lump like a whole form of polarity like masculinity or femininity into toxic it doesn't really give you a lot of information to understand how to fix the problem, right? Like it doesn't even really tell you what the problem is. It just throws a word on it. And now people can use it. Say if, you know, I do something or someone else does something that they deem as toxic masculinity. Well, that's an opinion that now they've thrown it into that and they don't have to do any more work at trying to figure out what that is. So that's why I think it's kind of a cop out as well. That typical label. And I'll just add too that, you know, there's a difference between a toxic person and a toxic gender category. You know what I mean? To label it as in like, oh, it's to toxic masculinity. Maybe you're just a jerk. <laughs> You know, like, are you, or you know what I mean? Are you in a bad mood? Is it like, you're yeah. just all of a sudden, you know, um, just t take it to the whole gender. Um, Alex, you wanted to say something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the word people are looking for uh, is, is immature or underdeveloped, or they don't know who they are. They're trying to find out who they are. And so through this uh, labeling of toxic, we're ultimately like yelling at our children. And so if we have these people who, I remember Paul telling me, someone that is an adult is when they say something and then they do that thing. 
and someone and they act, so basically he said if someone someone who's an adult and need, when needing to act responsibly does someone as a child when needing to act responsibly does not and so when you're looking at a person in a male body let's say with a penis is acting in a situation you would say are they being toxic or are they being immature because they haven't evaluated and grown their compassion empathy and develop their mind of discernment and known when is appropriate, when is not appropriate to do those things. But toxic is rolls off the tongue quick. And, and then like, uh, I think Josh was saying it became appropriated. And then they're like, let's run with it, even though it was mis mis, uh, labeled, but it's not as, it's not as fun to say immature, but most people, <laughs> most adults re- say immature and they have a weight that it carries. Mm-hmm. But when a child is yelling at another child going, you're immature. It doesn't, there's no, there's no effect when someone's being immature saying someone else is being immature. Yeah. And I would also also add just for a little entertainment that I've got a theory just based on my own, um, I would call it shrewd observation that um, from what I've seen that the, the, where toxic masculinity, like the most of where it has come from has come from women who tend to be possessed by the anima. True. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, call it professional or whatever, it's it, I, I think it's very toxic. <laughs> to, <laughs> so and and they're possessed by their anima. So therefore, uh, maybe it's their toxic masculinity that's wanting to project a toxic masculine um, label onto men in general without any sort of direct um, understanding of like, what is the behavior? Is it really, is it the masculine or is it men or is it just, hey, this sort of behavior or this sort of um, you know, ideology or whatever is just a dick move. And let's not behave that way. Like what it's, it's just, it's really kind of like polarizing people for masculinity in general, which I find to be fucking toxic. Well, I'm just going to chime in a couple of things. I mean, there is a collective anger among the feminine with, you know, the history of the last, you know, several thousand years of what's been going on. But Sarah, can you please just clarify for the audience what you mean by the anima? Oh, I was going to ask that. Sure. <laughs> Nathan, help me, will you? <laughs> I, 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 I was going to ask it because I thought it's Sarah's beautifully intelligent and it yes. would be cool to hear her describe please it. explain that in well, the anima yeah. anima of course <laughs> it's something you do when you want to clean the colon um and no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> that's what wrong, i was thinking wrong a phallic tip <laughs> um well so in in let's just say in girls and boys girls you know when they're possessed by the anima that's the the masculine um you know essence of their soul and uh, the Anna must think of like misses, right? Like in boys, that that would be the feminine essence of their soul. So you got the anima, the masculine, the animus, the the feminine, and uh, and so that's you know when you think about like there really is no division. There's a division. There's a polarity, but there isn't, right? Like we all have anima. We all have animus. 
we all have that essence within us. And um, nowadays, I think we're really challenged with that because girls tend to be very much possessed by their anima, whereas boys tend to be very much possessed by the animus. And I, I, I think that's just a, a consequence of the culture and society and where we've gone. And we've, you know, just culturally pushed ourselves into that corner. And uh, what comes out of that is a whole lot of rage uh, from, from rejecting the certain polarities that do, that do exist within us. All right. I'm going to put yeah. a pen in that for a second, Sarah, because now I'm, I'm a little confused because I thought the animus was the masculine essence, soul essence in the feminine. In the feminine. Person. Yeah. Yes. Whereas the anima is the up. feminine. Yeah. You yeah. switched it, but I yeah. think you I switched it. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. So, okay. Just like, Wait a minute. I got to rethink this. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Delete, 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 backspace, rewind. Uh, okay. I switched it up. Yes. You're right. So yes, you know, when we are, we, the anima, the animus, just to clarify, that is the, the masculine and the feminine essence of our soul, the, and so to, it's not a colonoscopy, but, um, you know, when we think of it as, <laughs> I, I have a lot of clients that, that are like an anima, like they get really oh. confused and they go off on the rails on that. So I joke about it. But the, it, it's just the, the it's, I don't even like to call it the split. It's just, it's something that exists in all of us. It's the feminine and the masculine essence of our soul. It's there. We can't deny it. But when we do, it tends to, one, one will dominate and the other one will get repressed or suppressed. And that's when we see a lot of challenges and a, a, a lot of um anger and rage and projecting and issues. And just like we see now and uh, social and cultural issues that are coming out. Back to the toxicity. Yeah. yeah. That's a reflection of self. It's, it's the rejection of self, a part of you, because it's a part of you and what you're seeing in other people is what's within. So ultimately it's, it's a trigger for you to really explore that. And people say this all the time, but it's, but it's, it, it, it really, it needs to be uh, not glazed over, but really, really contemplated, I guess is the best word, because, um, you know, if you're projecting onto others, then you've got some some disharmony within yourself that needs to be addressed. So um, I think for women, <clears throat> we just maybe accepted our external reality for a long time uh, in history as well. And there has been a lot of trauma there. And at the same time, it's an opportunity for women to begin to build their own self-worth, take responsibility for themselves on all levels. Um, and so it's really an invitation for women to step it up, you know, um, and not keep blaming men because when you're blaming you're never going to get anywhere. It's that victim mentality role. So to me, it's an opportunity for us all to, to really evolve to a higher state of consciousness and become neutral. So the, you know, the Buddhists talk about this, this idea of neutrality coming to that eventually is where your true power is because you can't really 
tap into the frequency of the heart without being neutral about something. So if you're still triggered, then that's an invitation for you to go deeper within that aspect of yourself to heal that. So that would be my two cents on that one. Yeah. And it's kind of, we're circling back to the attachment thing, you know, like, yes, then you're triggered. Yeah, please. So something that um, uh, Allison said triggered something that aligns with what Nathan said that could bring some clarity that kind of made sense. I want to share it is in every essence, the, the, the female is full of everything. We we've talked about that and the masculine splits the experience. So looking for the logic, looking for the separation and maybe to clarify and Nathan, let me know if you agree with this or not to clarify with Amy's question, maybe the earth isn't the, the space holder we're the thing that made the river allow we we created that space in the earth for the river to flow through it like we destroyed earth to allow more feminine to run through it but we there couldn't be a river without some masculine force or the feminine river plowing through in its in its masculine regardless of a masculine still masculine creating that space so then the feminine can hold itself again. Yeah. I mean, I see the feminine is quite indifferent about her healing and also destruction and complete devour of everything. Like she is the rhythm of nature that heals, devours and every, you know, she, if you're in the way, like, Oh, well, like that's the feminine she's coming. Right. And so you're either going to be in the way or get out of the way. Like the the feminine is just very indifferent to that. She is nature and she is going to do and be very indifferent to whatever it takes to balance and harmonize what, what, what needs to be done to harmonize that the, the nature of, of, or harmonize what, needs to be bring about the balance and and nature of things of being right. Like the, the, the rhythmic nature of being like what the cycle of giving and taking life that is to me, the, the nature of feminine. And so she's the giving of life. She's the taking of life and whatever is going to happen or whatever's got to, you know, occur to bring about that harmony it, it can be very destructive, very devouring. It can also be very beautiful and nurturing and loving. Either way, I find the, the feminine to be indifferent to that. Um, and, and if you are in tune to that nature, you can kind of predict it, but um, that's just the nature of, of the being in the feminine, whereas the masculine is, is very like much a means to an end. And it's, it's the service to, that's the leadership of, it's the order. And, and so it's just kind of like, as Nathan was saying, it's, it's the, the holding that the space for the feminine to create the balance and the harmony. That's what the, it's the mountain standing tall so that the feminine can be and bring order, bring harmony and balance. So it, I like when Nathan was kind of describing that, um, I had a feeling it might confuse a little bit, but I, I, I got that. I understood that because that's how I see feminine is. I think a lot of people see feminine as very gentle and loving and kind and caring and sweet, but 
um, she's cyclical like her yeah. cycles. So, you know, yeah. when we come yeah. to our deep winter, we're the Kali Ma. <laughs> we're going to express what is not serving in the community so that we can harmonize and enjoy the ovulation in the summer when we nurture and, and build back up. Yeah. Nicole, Nicole yeah. Tell, tell us more about that, how the feminine is not, because Sarah, that's such an important point. I talk about that all the time on my show. Feminine is not just the gentle and the passive and the receptive. I mean, think of a mama bear whose cubs are in danger or if, you know, the feminine symbol is water, right? But think of a tsunami. <laughs> I mean, is a tsunami gentle? I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I am. I love what I do. I love giving this wellness and wisdom to you. And I want to ask for your support. You know, this show is brought to you by us, Wellness Force Media, by me over the past seven plus years. And the way that this show breathes and lives is by your support. So I want to hook you up and I want to have reciprocity so we can enjoy the day, the month, and the year ahead. All you have to do is buy the products you're already buying on Amazon or on the interweb or whatever. But here's the kicker. You get to save 40% off many different products up to 40% off 10%, 20%, 30% and more. Just go to joshtrent.com forward slash store. I don't care if you're looking for green juice or adaptogens or things for your home, your body, your skin, your metabolism, literally anything at all that you need for your wellness Pentagon, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial self to be nourished is right there for you at joshtrend.com forward slash store. Not only will you get stuff way cheaper, which helps you and your family, but your purchases also help support this podcast so I can keep bringing it to you and enjoying it. So head over to joshtrend.com forward slash store and get the products you're already purchasing just for a lot cheaper and you get to support the show. Isn't that a cool win-win? All right, let's get back to the show. Nicole, I'd love to hear your perspective more on on truly the the whole of the feminine and how she's all of it. Well, it's nice that we don't get tsunamis every day, right? But <laughs> that nature knows when it needs to come in and clean and clear. And that I like to think about it as cyclical. And so women, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story of geese, you know, when geese fly for the seasons, the male leads the bee because its wings break the winds so that the elders, the feminine and the young geese behind him can easily catch air on the uplift from his wings. So from that view, we think he's the leader. But in reality, it's the women, the stronger ones that follow directly behind that have the empathy to hear when the young ones are hungry or the old ones are tired to speak to the masculine, say, hey, we need to land and feed and rest before we go further. And so it's really important, again, like this concept of togetherness and also important for women to be, you know, connected in themselves, healthy, so that they can have that empathy and that connection. And so the, the harmony of, of the community, when it's there, we don't have to become the tsunami. And when it's not, uh, right before our cycles begin, uh, when we lose all hormones, <laughs> I like to think of this uh, inner critic that comes in. That inner critic can be with ourselves, and sometimes it can be with the community or the family. And those things that we probably let go of, like during ovulation, like, oh, I don't really like that. And la di da, it's a good day. It's the sun is shining. But when that inner critic is there, she's there to create uh, harmony. 
And sometimes that looks like a hurricane coming through the house and saying all the things that aren't working so they can get in alignment and be ready for the next cycle and, and create the harmony. And so the Kali Ma creating death to certain things that don't align. And it doesn't always have to be a tsunami, which is nice. You know, like, I, I think that that's a beautiful piece of nature. We we don't necessarily have to have a the California forest fires all over if we just allow what happens in nature to allow cyclically every month. But when we choose to move into areas that, you know, has been told that you shouldn't live this close to the ocean, you're going to get that tsunami. And so, um, you know, letting women speak from their, you know, that wild river that we are, we have to have a deep sense of feeling. And in order to go into that feeling and, and the, the intuition, we, we, we go a little crazy. <laughs> Women aren't crazy. We're hormonally challenged, but <laughs> to, to have that, like for men to be that container so we can go deep into that sensation so that we can hear and sense when the baby's hungry and when the older elders need rest, th- there doesn't have to necessarily be a tsunami. And when it happens, it's beautiful. Yeah. You fuck yeah, around, and- make sure you're going to find out. <laughs> I'll add too that, you know, traditionally the, the females have been the ones that have energetically carried the emotions of the tribe, of the culture, and they were the ones that would clear it as well. That's what the red tents were all about. You know, that was an important time where they would clear uh, all the energy for, for everybody. And that's why it was so sacred. And the the women were the ones that would talk to the warriors and the men about when it was time to go to war and not because they had the ability to kind of tap into the collective with that empathetic uh, heart as to what's really best. You know, the men, you know, they're physically stronger and, you know, the warriors and all that, but the females were the ones that would temper it. You know, they, they, they had that temperance um, at least historically, does anyone want to chime in on, on this? I would love to, I would love Please. to, you know what I was visualizing the whole time <laughs> was, um, I had like five years where I was actually an automotive technician out of, out of high school. And I remember that circuitry always flows from positive to negative. So when I think about polarity, which is really everything we're exploring here, if I can be grounded, isn't that the key that, that you ground the engine block so that the power can flow from the alternator or as human beings, when a man is grounded, he can create the space. And I think, uh, Sarah said something about that. Right. So I got to say, like, I think on a practical level, we all, it's easy for us because we're in this space of like, you know, podcasting and wellness and trying to understand like, who are we and what are we doing here? And what's the meaning of all this stuff? But, but on a practical level, if we were just pull back 30,000 feet and look at what is truly needed in the world, we need to, as men, be grounded. And I say this for myself, like there are many times where I'm not grounded and that's my teacher, right? The pain teacher comes. So when I'm grounded, when I'm doing the work to be grounded, then I can create the space for my woman who identifies with a feminine core and she shifts too. But the last thing I'll say is that if she is also coming from a place of a wound, right? Like her shadow, then it's almost at times, unless I'm in Nirvana, impossible for me to be this space, even with all my tools, even with all the things that, that I've acquired up to this point, if she doesn't do her work too. And so we have to work as the conduit of the battery to be super grounded and to be practical with one another, because we could just sit on your podcast and just wax poetic all day long. And nobody might not really feel in their heart and soul 
what is truly needed in the planet right now. And what I feel is truly needed is that grounding aspect. And also for men to be vulnerable about, Hey, I'm having trouble grounding. Here's what I am asking from you as my partner, as my woman. And it could be in any kind of relationship to support me so that I can support you the best. And I think that's really practical. The grounding is needed. Josh, can you clarify what you mean by grounding? Well, right now I'm barefoot, but I'm in an apartment building, so I'm not that grounded. So if I were to actually go out to the earth and connect with the Schumann resonance, then I would be better grounded. So I'd probably over the course of time, make better decisions out there than I would if I'm stuck in here. So with my woman, if I'm stuck in here and I'm completely disconnected from my body, then I'm not grounded. So for me, it's like taking 10 circular breaths. That's what I mean by being grounded because, you know, if I can, if I can breathe, then I can choose. If I can breathe, then I can choose to respond to her, uh, her collie, right? Which is necessary, as Nicole said, sometimes it's freaking necessary. Um, And then there's also many ways to ground. We could probably have an entire podcast on grounding, but grounding, I think just means returning to the body out of the mind. We're just returning back home. There's there's like arguments, like Alex and I, we still get in arguments. I mean, I wouldn't say all the time, but there's tension. I mean, that it'll look like two people that are like competing to, to be in their masculine essence, because whether I'm the woman, he's the man, it doesn't matter when we're trying to be right. We're trying to, we're, we're like, it's like two people trying to like compete into their like silverback gorilla. It's when I imagine in hindsight with Alex and I arguments over something, usually it's silly, but it feels like Alex can probably chime in on this, but it's, it's usually something pretty silly, but it it's, it's like two silverbacks trying to like get big, 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 big. Um, and it's just us both trying to be in our, our masculine. So who's who's going to relent? Who's going to like step up? And for us to get grounded, sometimes Alex will just lift his shirt up. And be like, come on, skin to skin. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm usually the one who's like. <laughs> but he's 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 so good about just like, let's drop the egos. Let's skin to skin it. And it's, it, it comes from, you know, when you're a baby and you you're on the mother's chest and you hear the heartbeat and you hear the rhythm and it's, it's very grounding, but he, and I'm always like, fine. Well, <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll just add, Sarah, you take off your shirt and then it's game over. So it's like, that's what it is. You're just trying to get me to take my shirt off. <laughs> well, we do have video. So <laughs> it would probably help the ratings. So, you know, I'm not going to stop you. 60% of the time, it works every time. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Alex, you wanted to chime in, right, Alex? Yeah, um, we, we used the word container. I wanted to clarify that as you guys were talking, which, first of all, I, I, I don't know how this would work, but I'm actually really enjoying how this works because I'm getting all these ideas and I keep getting these pictures in my head. And I'm a big word nerd. I'm sure you guys that know me know that I'm like, do you mean, what do you mean by that word? What do you mean? So the container, the masculine container, confusing it's, and we're talking about containing this force, like a big bang. There's all this infinite amount of energy, but then what's containing that there's this gravitational field that's bringing it and and not allowing it to completely explode and then not exist anymore. And so I want, I'm, I'm throwing it out there as I wonder if that is a better 
image for the people that are familiar with the masculine not being a container, if that helps them somehow visualize this more effectively, would be to like the containing force that isn't contained within the container of the feminine, which is, I think, more confusing. Yeah, yeah, because the container is not finite. You know, it's 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 infinite. (laughs) It's it's got to be infinite, you know, because it's both forces are so to to think of it in a static way is, I think, the problem, too. And then the, you know, what Nicole was mentioning earlier with the uh, with the feminine, I really loved her uh, metaphor for that and uh, with nature, because we accept it all. We love it all. Right. But we don't do that with ourselves. We don't do that with our partners. So in order to have unconditional love, which is a feminine, I think, energy uh, like a mother, you have to love it all. You have to accept it all. Even I mean, you can't just like the good things about your partner. You got to like all the what you perceive as bad too, and appreciate it as well. So I see it as like loving it all, accepting it all, and that brings you to that place of neutrality where you don't have an emotional charge. It, of course, it takes some time to get there. You know, you have to do the work. But um, but I think easier it can be easy, like done. Nicole, <laughs> like Nicole say it can be easier. I think now, like, probably people don't need to go through the suffering as much, um, yeah. like yeah. we all did probably. But you know, I think it's uh, it's definitely it takes that that work of self acceptance, really. You know, mm. yeah, yeah. Nathan, we're going to circle back to you on this. I think you started this whole thing. <laughs> so, what? Where are you at with with all this now? Love to hear. Well, I, I, I think it kind of, I think Allison kind of circled back nicely. The, I was surprised that that language was confronting the container language for some people, um, because I'm not saying we bottle it up and we put it away and, you know, tame it. There's no taming it. Like Sarah said, this is a matter of even like a pot of water can't boil. You can't just heat water up. You have to have it contained so that pressure mm-hmm. builds up and it overwhelms the atmospheric pressure. And now you've got steam. Mm-hmm. Um, the masculine's role is very relevant. The feminine, the water can't be boiled without the pot. So coming up with metaphors for these like mm-hmm. cosmic questions is really, really tough. But um well, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? They need each other to fully actualize. Right. And and toxic masculinity to me, I was sort of trying to look at it through Carl Jung's lens. Like, is it the shadow? of the masculine in its its best archetypal form is the shadow, the toxic masculinity. It's not even quite that. But, you know, uh, to Josh's point, I don't think these were just co-opted recently. Like we've been using the term toxic to describe anything that detracts from the overall energetics of a system um, for years, whether it's emotional, mental, spiritual, or otherwise. Um, but in, if we were to consider what is the thing that has been modeled for us masculinity is being big, strong, having the answer, doing the thing, and whatever else. That doesn't leave a lot of room for women, which is why we've had now, this is our fourth phase of feminism. It doesn't leave a lot of room because we only incentivize the masculine. There was this great article that was written in uh, The New Yorker, I think, not long ago um, by a woman who's in Hollywood. And she said, I'm not incentivized to be anything but masculine in my role. And and what she means by that is when you look at a, a like bees, there's a single queen and she's doing the job of creating more bees. What do the men do? The men are supporting her role 
But nowadays, it's not enough that a woman is just giving birth and helping us figure out where we are in this sort of cataclysmic time or in whatever microcosm. Now you also have to give birth and you have to breastfeed and you have to be back at work in six weeks and you have to do all of the things, the CEO, the business voter, you have to be a great cook, you have to know how to fix cars, like you're expected mm. to do everything. When, when did we, through the, through the lens of toxic masculinity and how it has evolved, women have been reduced to almost nothing, um, although it, it wasn't nothing. They were just doing it underground to try to avoid being burned at the stake for three centuries. And then it reemerged, and we've had four waves of feminism, whereby they're trying to reestablish the importance. But toxic masculinity has actually even crept into feminism, whereby it's not enough that you're the river. You're also the river and the mountain now. Like you have to be both. And that yeah. obviously isn't creating any health in our societies. That's not to say that that born with a vulva, you do this thing. Born with a penis, you do this thing. Because we both have these energetics. It's just that we have been overly emphasizing the role of the masculine and the the value of the masculine without realizing that the masculine can't do shit without the feminine and, and vice versa. So um, I'll just finish with that. Well, plus I'll add to not to just totally throw a curveball, but I feel like there's something going on with the global agenda with just, you know, even like Black Lives Matter and and all the people trying to certain forces trying to be divisive, you know, and just coining this term toxic masculinity is to me sometimes a way of keeping the masculine strength and voice down. Like it's right. almost like self-perpetuated on purpose because of an agenda. So, I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that, you know, because <laughs> the masculine, we need the masculine to be strong. You know, we don't want them to okay. hold their voice and, and to fight for what's right and for the tribe, you know? So, yeah, I was going to try to raise my hand, but I can't figure out, Alex, maybe you can show me later. Uh, Just do this. <laughs> okay. What that brought up yeah. for me that, and I'll be honest, like my, mm. at 42, obviously I have work to do, which is great. Otherwise I wouldn't be here because I'm still doing my work right around my wounding. Now, specifically, I think we can't leave this podcast until we really dive into the layers of emasculation because people think that you can just, you know, a woman emasculates a man, but that's not true. A man can also emasculate a woman. So yeah, it's about emasculation, taking uh, away a man's identity or his providership or, you know, everybody loves Raymond, Homer Simpson, like, you know, the dad is the fat, sad dork that we make fun of. And I think that that is a tragedy. I think it's an absolute tragedy. Uh, that Hollywood and the quote agenda is promoting that. I've had so many people talk about it on the podcast and I'm curious how everybody feels about this because emasculation does work both ways, but we're seeing it on a super big spotlight in Hollywood and the media to really dumb down dad or make men appear stupid or blundering or, or you know, not able to hold a family. And I think that if you want to claim toxicity, that's, that's toxic media, that's toxic narrative that truly is toxic because it starts to putrefy the connection between us. That's fluid, right? That feminine such connection an important between us. Point. Such, such an important point, Josh. Thank you for voicing that. Can you clarify? And I definitely want to throw it out to everybody to jump in on that for your answers. But I just, for me and maybe the audience, can you clarify what you mean by emasculate the feminine though? Okay. So I, I just interviewed Alison Armstrong and she talked about this because 
she had a, a she has a new relationship and she's leaning into the relationships for she's very well known as as understanding men but in order for her audience to understand men they also have to understand themselves which is women and so the the secondary definition of emasculation is to just make a human being weaker or ineffective so oh. you can get that from like oxford dictionary oh, or whatever okay. mm -hmm. but we we there's a couple of definitions there. And the first definition is when a woman chastises a man, oh, you look at your belly or, oh, you're so stupid. Or actually Sarah's a master at this. Like maybe she can speak to this. Like, I feel like we've talked about this in your kitchen before. The way that women unconsciously mm, emasculate yeah. men is something mm -hmm. that is very, very detrimental to the connection, but men do it too, right? A, ma a man might emasculate a woman by saying, um, oh, you're, this is a terrible phrase, right? So I would never say this, but I'm sure this has been mentioned. Oh, you're not fit to have children. That would be a very emasculating phrase or, mm -hmm. oh, um, women that are women sometimes in society, unfortunately, when they're expressing their collie, when they're expressing their rage, people might say like, oh, she's just an angry bitch. Well, that's that's emasculating her Kali, right? And of course, that that energy, if it's true Kali, it's coming from what the world needs, like Nicole mentioned. It's not coming from her wound if it's true Kali. So, so, so that's how is what it different though? How is it different than being uh, disempowered as opposed to emasculated? Uh, yeah, emasculized. Well, it is disempowering. Okay, that is what they're doing. Like it, it, I think a lot of times. Like what I just did is I like rolled my eyes. A lot of women will do that whenever they don't agree or like they're projecting and they feel uncomfortable by something that their man is saying, or they'll, they'll roll their eyes or, or like sigh. That's a, it's a form of emasculation of their man. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's very hurtful. And even if the man is is very comfortable in their masculinity, it is still very it's a weakening to the group around him. Um, and it's it's very unconscious on a very unconscious level that it, it is occurring. And Alex and I were driving with our 13 year old in the car talking about all the cartoons that are out there and. Can we, and we're challenging her. Can you think of a cartoon or a show that's out there that doesn't emasculate men? Mm -hmm. Couldn't think of one. Mm -hmm. We really couldn't think of a very healthy, uh, what, what, there was one that she, I, he man, he, he man was the only one that was like, you know, where he just went around and just, ah, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, even like one that I used to love was um, go, go gadget or Mr. Gadget. But yeah. even it was like he, he it was so emasculating because his he was like the hero, but actually he was the dummy, and his daughter was the one following him around, like saving him from doing stupid stuff because he was so dumb. And and so it's just this underlying subliminal messaging of how dumb men really are, and like actually like women are are saving the world or whatever. And it, it's just, it's such a strange phenomenon that, that, that that's, that's the underlying messaging and things. And so also Josh, I love that you interviewed Alison. She is, she's a gangster. I love her. I love her. 
the very last thing I'll say, because I I, I want to respect everybody here. I feel like all of us could create 40 hours of content from this. True. So, <laughs> so, true. so for me, one of the things that Allison and I were talking about was that when you really get down to it, most of the core conflicts with men and women is because we actually do not honor our loving differences. Yeah. Mm. The narrative is that we're all the same. It's all the same. The future is female, blah, blah. And it's like, Yes, the future is female and the future is male. The future is us. Integrated. So these terms that are very divisive, they're they're meant to stick to the subconscious to have people be directed by their unconscious so that they don't even know why they're getting the, the crappy results. That's yeah. kind of like what our society does. So I, I wanted to like lay that in the garden for all of us to jam. No, that's that so like great. What is circulating for me? And, Can and I hop I'll in add, here for a second? Uh, yeah, but Ryan, just real quick, I'll just add yeah. too. I can't think of any shows that are the positive for the the feminine either. I mean, I asked that almost of all my guests, like, who do you think of as, as ideal role models for the feminine? You know, and they're usually like crickets. So I'll just throw that out there. I don't, I don't know if the same goes for having positive female role models either. But definitely uh, not the Kardashians. Yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you. Or, I mean, honestly, think of anyone even in your life. I mean, to Sarah, Allison, Nicole. I mean, to me, well, they're not know, really presenting that because it doesn't sell. People like the drama, people like the victim, people like the saboteur. It creates the drama that entertains us, but doesn't teach us. Yeah, I mean, a, a woman in her full power who's fully feminine, but in her full power at the same time, you know, um, I, Ryan, I, I sorry, I, I, no, no, you're so good. Please. And then no, we'll go to Alex. I'm glad you had that point. Cause what I was going to say is that, you know, I think that if we look at like a very generalized way of looking at this, men have been taught to either hate or fear women, women have been taught, you know, whether or not things have happened. Yes, things have happened, but overall women have been taught to fear or hate men. Right. But in reality, who is the power or who who are the powers that are trying to get us to hate either side of us right and like everyone has echoed here we get to be both of these things right so i think the ultimate age that we're in right now is the ultimate age of distraction right and i think that yep. the more we have people having these conversations the more we're going to be able to realize like hey wait a minute you aren't the enemy who the fuck has been telling me to hate you you're actually really cool and hey who's been telling me to hate you you're really cool yep. what the hell's happening here right and so i think that really what we're diving into here is part of the matrix, right? And the matrix is a term that's used very loosely and widely these days, but I think to kind of cut through the vagueness of it, it's part of the illusion, right? Now, again, we're here to have an illusion experience, right? Of being separate from the ultimate source of power. But at the same time, within that illusion, there are also illusions within the illusion. And I think that's where so many of us get stuck, right? And that's, I think, if I can speak for everyone here, the work that we're doing both in ourselves, with our clients, with the people that in the messages we put out in our podcast and everything is more about like, hey, neither of us are the enemy. The red isn't the enemy. The blue is not the enemy. The enemy is the people trying to say there's a red and blue, right? Like the enemy of the people trying to say there's male or female, right? Like, you know, and and maybe enemy is a strong term, but like the, 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 the emphasis should be put- them. Exactly. The emphasis, if I will, should be put on that type of energy that's leading us to be divisive in how we look at the entire scope of our experience. So I wanted to throw that in there. And in reality, every team needs a quarterback and a receiving end. Exactly. <laughs> Have you guys seen the meme? Have you seen the, or not meme, but it's a video on Instagram that has two dogs on either side of the fence and the fence is closed and they're barking at each other and the fence opens up and they stop barking at each other yes. and then it closes again and then they bark at each other. That yes. reminds me of the program of separation. So this is yeah. what we're in, right? 
And so if we can realize it, like Ryan said, for the illusion that it is, the illusion within the illusion, then we understand, wait, why are we fighting with each other? There's nothing there, right? Exactly. And I like like to think ultimately we all want to get to the same end anyway, you know, just to be loved and accepted for who we are and supported, you know, and unconditionally. Isn't that what it's all about for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. I would hope. I think the ultimate term here, right? Like to use a spiritual term is dying before you die, because when you die before you die, right? What do you attain? You attain Christ consciousness, the light body, if you're or the rainbow body, rather, if you're looking in the Buddhism, but what you realize is what you were saying, like, oh, I'm playing this game and it's a really fun game. And I get to be all of the humanness within that male, female, all these different polarities, right? But at the same time, I get to laugh at all of it and realize that everything is happening for me. So I wanted to throw that in there too. Alex. One, uh, I wanted to state that I'm going to give you credit and say this is genius design of having four men and four four women on here, which is perfect balance here. Um, <laughs> and I want to take a shot at that uh, role model. Thank you for, for saying masculine. yes. <laughs> and I want to start by saying I, I don't think I can without introducing archetypes into it. So to, yes. to say one yes. is an absolute role model would be a disservice to the expression of the feminine. So when you're looking at like, for example, like a female athlete may not have the desire to be a mother. That's okay in her own expression of the feminine. And at the same time, um, you have different qualities in each one. So I think in order to, to properly find role models and Sarah has a vision of different role models on um, uh, it, it basically it's a collage of women in her life that have different aspects of the feminine that she modeled towards. Mm-hmm. And that I still think about that all the time. Like, okay, I got to put this chin of like exactly what you're saying. Where's there one feminine? You're like, you could think like mother Teresa, but mother Teresa doesn't express herself in a, um, in, in certain ways that other me. women do. Huh? <laughs> What did you say, Nicole? Um, You know, if I were to think about Mother Teresa, she's a beautiful soul. But as far as feminine goes, I want the sensual in there, too. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You have the Aaron. You have the as a what was that book, Sarah? The the Shekinah, the ultimate expression of the feminine in its entirety. Uh, You have. Mm. And so in order to really pinpoint where you want to navigate your expression, there are role models in different archetypes, like the mother, or, you know, the, the, the builder or the, uh, you know, the athlete or the businesswoman or however, or the warrior, and, and then model the qualities off of the ones that you find that best that you want to uh, embody. Um, but I feel like that was a trick question, but I could be wrong. So if someone has a better answer, I'd love to hear it. No, I think that's a really important point. I'll just say, because I'm glad you brought up archetypes because that kept popping in my head. You know, I mean, back to, um, I think it was Nicole who was mentioning how, um, you know, the tsunami as opposed to the gentle river is the feminine, you know, look at the, look at the Amazons, right? I mean, people think, I mean, the warrior is a big part of an empowered feminine, you know, she's, she's not, she's no doormat, that's for sure. But like everything, it's a place. What's that? Like the Valkyries. 
Yes. Norse mythology. Yeah. The Norse. Yes, exactly. Please. They were full-blown warriors. And Nicole, were you saying something? Well, I was just loving the idea of a collage, Sarah, of like Mm. taking Mm -hmm. women that, because I I know from just our friendship, you're not in love with cooking. And for me, the kitchen is like the alchemy. I wouldn't give that job to anyone else. I love being in the kitchen. Wow. And so we all get to pick which aspects of the feminine we want to develop. And so I don't think there will be one overall, this is the overarching type of feminine you want to be. And so like the collage Mm -hmm. is is really beautiful. And then we get to mix up what it, what parts of the feminine we want to develop and same with the masculine too. Right. And plus there's a seasonality to it, right? I mean, we go through seasons where we're kind of stronger leaning into one aspect of our being than another. I always say one more thing too about that that came up as you guys are talking. We're always searching for the role model, right? And I love how Sarah has put together all these aspects of her role model and then she becomes the role model. So we are the role model, right? And we're creating it in real time. So we forget that sometimes because we're, we're always searching for that role model outside of us, but it hasn't been created yet. So we're doing it, you know? And so... I think that's a beautiful thing. Like we get to create something different, something new, something that hasn't been created before. And that's just phenomenal. Yeah. I think that's so powerful to try to really um, have intention in your life as to who you want to be and who you want to become. And, you know, that whole idea of surrounding yourself and the environment with the people you want to be more like, you know, because you're identifying a quality that you want to bring out in yourself. It's just having intention, I think is very powerful. I think we have a definition for toxic masculinity. I think that from what I said, I think it is any earnest effort to strictly characterize what masculine or feminine is naturally is leaking into that shadow of the masculine, which is trying to control, dominate, et cetera. I think that's really what it is. So, there are multiple mm. archetypes that a feminine energy dominant person versus masculine energy dominant um, individual could assume or embrace or acknowledge within themselves. As soon as we try to put a knife down the through the sand and we say, this is masculine, this is feminine, or, or let's say this is the way a man should act, or this is the way a woman should act. That's where we start to see a creeping in of the toxicity and sorry, Josh, for using that word. I honestly just don't have a better word, but it yeah. is useful in the sense that the media has made it so clear what is expected of you. But even that alone, whether you're a woman or a man, hearing what is, what am I, who am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to show up in the world? That is the masculine in its shadow. And fortunately, there are a lot of people like us who are trying to break free from that, but that conditioning is so... Um, embedded within our within our culture within our society um there's something i want to say here real quick so very interesting that what just happened was that we took this term that was presented as something and with that definition which i agree with we actually realized the thing they're calling toxic masculinity is actually like what they're doing to call it toxic masculinity is 
the toxic masculinity, if we're going to call it that. So what an interesting paradox and why it's so important to have these conversations, because it's so easy for someone to hear that term, use their wounding to then start just appropriating that and putting it on things without actually realizing that the things that they're thinking are toxic masculinity might not actually be in that realm. But the act of them doing that is the actual quote unquote toxic part. And I don't like that term either, but I think it is really important to meet people where they're at. And a lot of people understand that term. And if we try to re-educate people right off the bat, I think we're going to miss a lot of people where if we use that terminology, they might be able to go, okay, I understand what you're talking about. And then they'll be, they'll kind of have bought the ticket and taken the ride into this conversation. And then they'll actually hopefully come out with a better understanding around like, wow, I hadn't thought of it like that, but it was because we met them where they were at using the language they identify with. And so, and by, by they, I don't mean to generalize, but you know, people that use that term to put it that way. Yes. Well, um, I'm really glad that we're getting toward the end here. And I've asked one of my 10 questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Uh, this is just, I mean, I knew we were going to have so much to talk about, but uh, this has just been even better than I even could have hoped. I'm so grateful for this discussion. I, I feel like it's going to have a lot of value for people. I hope it's your, I sure hope it does. Um, so I'm going to thank you all again for making the time for sharing yourselves with us today. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb to the audience and say, stay tuned for part two, because uh, we're just going to have to circle back on so many of these other very important issues that we didn't even tap into. So can we get a public commitment from all of you not to put you on the spot but. <laughs> okay so we're going to make that happen and everybody you can find out more from uh the guests in the show notes all their contact information is there also i mentioned it in the bio stay tuned again for the second episode of the sacred polarities podcast panel and uh look for that on the show Thanks for being with us today on the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. I so appreciate your time. Time is our most valuable resource. And I am truly honored with my hand on my heart that you would spend it here with us. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Share it with someone who you think would really benefit and their life would become richer and better and more vital from the intelligence that you received. Now that you've become more intelligent from this episode, take your journey to the next level. Head over to joshtrent.com forward slash M21. This is where you're going to get a free wellness guide that'll give you a starting place, a guide, a framework for you to actually move forward from where you are to where you want to be. Whether it's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, even financial, these are six science-backed practices that I've pulled from 500 plus episodes that I'm going to distill down into just the juice, just the nuggets. Do this, joshtrent.com forward slash M21. There's free breathwork practices inside of this wellness guide. It's 21 minutes every single morning to create a new path for you, which if you take different actions, you will get a different result. joshtrent.com forward slash M21 to get your free wellness guide and kickstart reset your path towards wellness and wholeness also in the guide make sure that you check out our breathwork program breathe breath and wellness i created it from traveling the world over four years and interviewing and working with some of the biggest and most powerful names in the entire breathwork industry it's breathwork.io and the code is podcast25. That's 25% off at breathwork.io. This is where I will personally guide you over three weeks to have all the fundamentals of you to know how to clear your stress with your breath in less than three weeks. 
We've had students from across the world. You can check out some of the testimonials at breathwork.io where people use their breath to change their life and to change the way that their mind thinks and what they believe about themselves and the world, what's possible, what love is possible, and what new things are possible in their life for the road ahead. Breathwork.io, use the code podcast25, and I cannot wait to see you in the program.